Uh, it's been a real treat uh, to be up here today and uh, to co-labor with you in this conference. Actually, I'm, I'm quite pleased and gratified at the warm, gracious reception I have received, um, particularly in my introduction earlier this morning. Last conference I went to, they introduced me by saying this morning we have, what I'd like to do this morning is introduce to you one of the great speakers in America. Uh, but instead, I'll introduce to you Walt Henriksen. <laughs> But I noticed that neither Ken nor Gene did that to me today, and I really appreciate that. Actually, uh, for those of you who may not know it, uh, Gene Ward just invested $4,000 on his family tree, $1,500 to look it up, and $2,500 to shut it up. Hey. <laughs> we spent a lot of time today going over the how-tos of the Christian life and how to grow and develop and mature in our walk with God. And as we close it off, I'd like to cover a few things with you from the Apostle Paul's last chapter in his letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. The Apostle felt that these were fitting comments to conclude his letter of instruction to the Corinthians. And as I've meditated and prayed over the chapter, it seems that it would be a fitting conclusion to our time here today. Because here Paul deals with attitudes as he talks about his travel plans and the plans of his friends. And their attitudes of the circumstances that surround their lives. And as I have thought about the walk that we have in Jesus Christ, probably one of the greatest pitfalls we have is our attitude. It's all well and good to learn how to have a walk with God, but if we have a DRA, we're all through. By the way, how many of you know what a DRA is? What's a DRA? A dirty, rotten attitude. Now, I don't know how many of you have the problem with a DRA, but yours truly does. I mean, I fight the DRA quite often. Rotten attitude towards circumstances that come into my life either through other people or through something that's totally beyond the control of other people. Many a battle has been fought and lost in this area of the attitudes. For example, you're driving down the road and you're on your way to a very important meeting. It may have been your own wedding. And the car breaks down. And talk about fighting the dirty, rotten attitude. And that's the time you have to fight it. Or the way people treat you. It's like the two psychiatrists that were passing each other in the street and one said, good morning. The other said to himself, I wonder what he meant by that. <laughs> you know, it's easy to have a rotten attitude toward other people. And as Paul concludes his letter here to the church at Corinth, he talks about these attitudes. He sets forth his own personal plans and then the plans of his two friends, Timothy and Apollos. And as he deals with these, he gives us some piercing in insights into what our attitudes ought to be. And first of all, I want us to see what our attitude ought to be towards circumstances in our own lives. And then secondly, what our attitude ought to be towards circumstances in the lives of other people. And then lastly, what our attitude toward, ought to be toward others as they respond to circumstances that come into their lives. Now, before we get into that, let's unite our hearts once more in just a brief word of prayer.
Father, I remember how the psalmist said, Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. And we need the Spirit of God to erase from our own minds all that would distract a proper understanding of your law. And as we look into this precious book, we ask that instruction would be ours of the type that would find application in every facet of our lives. And so dwell with us, Holy Spirit, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts may be found acceptable in your sight. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The first thing I want us to see, then, is what my attitude ought to be towards circumstances that come into my life. And I want to call your attention to 1 Corinthians 16, verses 5 through 9. Follow along as I read. Paul says, Now I will come unto you when I shall pass through Macedonia, for I do pass through Macedonia. And it may be that I will abide yea and winter with you, that ye may bring me on my journey whithersoever I go. For I will not see you now by the way, but I trust to tarry a while with you if the Lord permits. But I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost. For a great door... And effectual is open unto me, and there are many adversaries. And here we see Paul's attitude toward circumstances that come into his life. And a principle comes into focus for us. And the principle is this, that I view circumstances that come into my life as God's leading in my life. Let me repeat that. The principle is this, I view circumstances that come into my life as God's leading in my life. And here we see how the Apostle Paul felt that as circumstances came and went from his life, he viewed them as being of God. He says, I trust to tarry a while with you if the Lord permits. If not, I won't be able to. But I am planning on going down there to Ephesus because God's opened a great door. The adversary is at work, but the opportunity is tremendous. And his, his attitude is that God is in control of his circumstances and all is well. Now it occurs to me that this is real easy to do when all is going well in my life. For example, I feel it's the will of God for me to go into business and I'll make a million dollars. And I say to myself, it's obviously the will of God I was in business because, man, look how I made out. Or I can say um, that, um, man, I talked my wife Liette into marrying me and because she accepted it's obviously the will of God that she be my wife. And when circumstances go well for us, Man, we think that everything is great. But when circumstances don't go so well for us, it's easy for us to misinterpret that as not being the will of God. It's easy for us to question that in our own lives. For example, I remember not too long ago I was running. I do this to try to, to stay in shape a little bit. And I was running along the frontage road of the, of the interstate down by our house there in Fort Worth. And as I was running along, this Volkswagen coming the other way came as close as he could to me at about 50 miles an hour. There were a couple of guys in it. And they wanted to do was come as close to me as they could without hitting me. And man, they came close. <laughs> and I jumped and dodged out of the way. And as I was running along, as I usually do when I run, I was reviewing some scripture. And at this particular day as I was running, I was going through the book of Galatians. And after they did that to me, man, my review was shot. <laughs> Talk about a rotten attitude. Man, I, you know, I, a giant battle went on inside of me. I said to him, and he says to me, and I says to him, and he, you ever fight those battles? You know, you always win those. 
rotten attitude. Hard for me when those kind of things enter into my life to say the will of God has been served. Or you're driving on the highway in your car, or maybe one of your loved ones is, and a head-on collision takes that individual into the presence of God that fast. And the Apostle Paul admonishes us, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And during those moments in your life, it is hard for you to get down on your knees and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. But the principle set forth in the scripture is that I view all circumstances that come into my life as a believer as the leaning of God for my life. Proverbs 20, verse 24 in the Living Letters is excellent on this. It says, Since the Lord is directing our steps, why try to understand everything that happens along the way? You see, the Bible says God does govern our steps. And as I was sharing with you out of 2 Corinthians 5.18 All things are of God. As we talked about that this morning. That that is the, the blessed hope and assurance of the believer. And as I mentioned to you at the beginning of, of what God is bringing us through in our own lives with our own son and his leukemia. You know, it's easy for me if I'm not careful to question the will of God regarding that. To have giant problems in my own life. But as my wife and I were talking about this, my friends, it occurred to us that there is one thing worse than our son dying. And that is that our son should live and it not be the perfect will of God. Now that's worse. And the last thing we want on our hands is a Hezekiah, who in a fit of tantrum pled with God to give him a little longer life, and he did. And it was the biggest mistake he ever made. Now, as circumstances come into our lives, it doesn't tell us necessarily why God brought them in or even what it is that God is teaching us through them. That's a whole other thing we've got to discuss and talk about as we get along with God and try to figure the whole thing out. But I can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that when circumstances come into my life, it is God's leading in my life. And I can get on my knees and I can give God thanks. And though those circumstances may be adverse... Nonetheless, I can say, all is well with my soul. Now, the second thing that he talks about here in the chapter is what my attitude ought to be towards circumstances that enter into the lives of other people. And here Paul talks about this in verses 10 and 11. Follow along. He says, now if Timothy comes, see that he may be with you without fear, for he works the work of the Lord as I also do. Let no man therefore despise him, but conduct him forth in peace, that he may come unto me, for I look for him with the brethren. Now Paul says, when this guy Timothy comes into your presence, you make sure that you treat him right. You make sure that you don't despise him because of his youth. You make sure that you don't snob him because he hasn't had that much influence in your midst. You treat him as you would me. The second principle that comes into focus regarding our attitudes is this, that I view other people's circumstances as my responsibility. Let me repeat that. I view other people's circumstances as my responsibility. For example, let's say that I come into the town of Oklahoma City without any money, that I know a number of you, and nobody invites me into town or into, into, into their home. 
So I go to the city park and I plant my warm bod there on a bench and I go to sleep. And I think to myself, huh, I wonder why nobody invited me into their home. And my attitude on that is, praise God. Man, terrific. Because I view circumstances that come into my life as the will of God for me. And so I give God thanks. No bitterness, no heart problems, no DRA. Boy, praise the Lord. But, says the scriptures, if you come into my town and you sleep in the park bench, God holds me responsible for it. If I come into your town and sleep on the park bench, I give God thanks. But if you come into my town and sleep on the park bench, God says, Henriksen, I'll hold you accountable for that one. That's sin. I view other people's circumstances as my responsibility. And Paul writes to the Corinthians. He says, when Timothy comes into town, my friends, you make sure that his needs are met. Conduct him forth in peace and let no man despise him. But you treat him as you would a brother in Christ. Now, my friends, the thing I've got to be careful with is I cannot view my attitude toward others as God's leading in their life. Let me repeat that. I cannot view my attitude toward other people as God's leading in their life. God says, I'm responsible. And especially that's true if my attitude happens to be a bad one. Rather, the scriptures teach me that when circumstances come into your life, that I am to do all I can to help control those circumstances. And if it is within the power of my hand to help you, I'm to do it. Proverbs 3.27 says, Withhold not good from him to whom that is due when it is in the power of thy hand to do it. Proverbs 3.27 And a host of other scriptures teach the same basic truth. In the ministry of the Lord Jesus, my friends, we find that the Savior never neglected the needs of people who came to him. The closest he ever did that with was the Syrophoenician woman, and even her needs were met. Jesus never turns down people who have needs. And yet I know that in our own lives it is easy for us to, under the guise of one excuse or another, to do just that. For example, last night I was driving up from Fort Worth. I was tired. It was about 11.30 at night. I was on the south side of Oklahoma City. A car was broken down. There were a couple of guys out on the highway waving their arms, and I drove right by them. I was tired, and I got some lame excuse in my mind about, you know, probably they just want to rob me if I stop. You know, late at night, nobody else on the highway swung into the left lane and passed right by as though they weren't even standing there. I got on up home, or up the home. I got to the wars where I was staying overnight. And the Spirit of God smote me. That was wrong. Their circumstances were my responsibility. And yet it was easy for me at that moment to excuse those under the pretense that, well, man, I'm tired. And, well, probably uh, uh, the highway patrolman will be by pretty soon and be able to help them out anyway. Or, uh, man, probably their motives were were ill toward me anyway, and what they wanted to do was rob me, or some other lame, harebrained excuse that in the eyes of God has no merit whatsoever. And how about you, my friends? Do you have problems in this area of excusing other people's circumstances as not being your responsibility under one pretense or another? You find somebody in need, 
And you don't meet that need because you say to themselves, well, after all, man, the only reason they're like that is because they're lazy. Good grief, he's had the same opportunity as every other red-blooded American has. He doesn't have to be like that. Blah, blah, blah. And off you walk and leave him in his need. Like James says, be ye warmed and filled. Or we walk along, we see somebody who asks for a handout, and we say, man, I pay my good hard money in, in taxes so the welfare can meet that guy's needs. And on and on, the, the illustrations are legion. The scriptures teach us that we're to view other people's circumstances as our responsibility. Number three, deals with what my attitude ought to be toward others as they respond to circumstances that enter into their lives. And I want to call your attention to verse 12. Paul says, As touching our brother Apollos, I greatly desired him to come unto you with the brethren, but his will was not at all to come at this time. But he will come when he shall have convenient time. Now an important principle comes to us out of this. And that is this, that I view other people's response to circumstances that come into their lives as God's leading in their lives. Let me repeat that one again for you. I view other people's response to circumstances that come into their lives as God's leading in their lives. Now, this is especially difficult to do, my friends, when you know that given the same set of circumstances, you would have responded differently. And here with Apollos is a beautiful illustration of the point. Because you see, there was a need in Corinth. The Apostle Paul saw the need. Paul was tied up. He couldn't get over there. So he gets his, his old friend Apollos on the phone and he says, Listen, Apollos, why don't you catch the next jet over there to Corinth and have a little time with the saints there and help them out. Now Paul knew what was going on with Apollos. Paul knew what he was doing, knew where he was, knew how things were going with him. And as he evaluated Apollos' life, he saw no reason in the world why Apollos couldn't get up there to Corinth and spend some time with him. But Apollos didn't see it that way. Apollos said, no, I can't make it. All Paul could see was the need of the Corinthians and a man by the name of Apollos who wouldn't respond. And it's at that moment, it's easy for an individual to become bitter and cynical and critical. And Paul, notice his attitude here. He says, I greatly desired. He wasn't neutral on the subject. He really wanted all the Paulists to get up there. I greatly desired him to come to you with the brethren. But his will was not all at this time to come. But he will come when he shall have convenient time. No sweat, no problem, no hard involvement. I view other people's response to circumstances in their lives as God's leading in their life. And I don't prejudge the situation. I can relax in my heart and trust God and His sovereignty to take care of the situation. Now this is particularly difficult to do, my friends. When somebody steps into a responsibility that used to be yours. You may used to be the president of the Women's Guild or you had this Sunday school class or you had this position in the business 
And for one reason or another, you no longer have it. You've been promoted or you're taking another job or you're now doing this. And somebody else comes in and you watch them handle that situation. And man, you gave birth to it. It was your baby. It was your Bible study group that you got started. It was your Sunday school class that you started from scratch. It was your your church that you built from nothing. Whatever it was, you see, and you watch it. And you see some guy coming in to take your place and he does it entirely different than you did it or that you would have done it if you were still there. And you think to myself, good grief, he's blowing it. He's blowing it because he's not doing it like I would do it. And anybody who doesn't have the common sense to do it like I would do it is obviously not in the will of God. (laughs) And you have all kinds of battles in your own heart Rotten attitudes loom up inside of you because he's not doing it the way you think it ought to be done. If only he'd ask me, I'd tell him, you know, but he hasn't asked. And the sweat comes out in the palm of your hands and your blood pressure goes up and the heart begins to beat faster than it ought to. And you're transgressing this important principle that Paul is trying to drive home here in Corinth. And my friends, this word of advice to you, if you have difficulty the way people are handling the situation that you used to have, I've got there's one suggestion for you. Just think about the difficulty that the guy is having whose place you just took and pray for him. <laughs> because, my friend, if you think you've got problems with the way they're handling what you used to do, can you imagine the heart problems that the other person's having watching you handle what you're now doing? So when you find that exercise going on inside of you, you just pause and have a word of prayer for the guy whose place you just took. Because the chances are superb, he's going through the same battle you are. Well, three circumstances, three attitudes, three principles. And it seems to me, my friends, that these are of strategic importance in our lives. Because I don't know of anything in the Christian life that can destroy a man faster than a bad attitude. Because a bad attitude brings bitterness. And the writer to the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15 says, Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. And I wrote in the margin of my Bible, right next to that verse, a root of bitterness comes as a result of any ill or supposed ill treatment. And you see, any time a circumstance enters into your life that you don't like, you've got grounds for becoming bitter. And when you become bitter, you ruin your own life and you ruin a whole batch of other people's lives along in the process. Many become defiled. And there's no reason in the world for you to become bitter over anything if your theology is straight, if you understand who your God is and what your response to attitudes and circumstances ought to be as they come into your life. Let us pray. Father, once again, we want to thank you for the simplicity of the Scriptures. 
in the very practical way it speaks to our lives. And now we pray, Lord Jesus, give us the good sense to put it into practice and we'll give you the honor and the glory that is yours alone in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.